Hi, I'm Kate. Hi, I'm Yoko. And this is So Where Are You From? So Where Are You From? Episode 2. 2. We made it through episode 1. We did! Wow. Like a whole new Star Wars franchise. I know. <laughs> did you watch the, the latest? The latest trailer featuring a strong female lead? You bet your ass I did. Yeah, and an Asian guy. Yeah! Who had like a, a saber that looked like a katana, but it's okay. <laughs> you know what? Like, even in space, there's a little bit of racism. True. So true. Subtle racism. Subtle. <laughs> so right. we have a we have a guest on today, our first guest. We're excited. His it's name, Kevin Wynn! It's Kevin Wynn. He's uh, my boyfriend. <laughs> no, Kevin is a cool human being as well as being Yoko's boyfriend. Yes, he is his own goddamn human. <laughs> He's a fantastic person. He's from Niwa, Colorado, and he'll tell you a lot more about himself yeah. uh, after we finish our couple segments. But first, model minorities. Model minorities. Yeah. Model minorities is a phrase that we are reappropriating to mean Asian people doing cool shit, no longer the the weighted, baggagey stigma of some Asians somehow making it while other Asians and other people of color are not making it in American society. Boom. That's the end of that description. We're just going to go right in. Yeah, girl. You want to go first? You want me to go first? I'll go first. Do it. Okay, so my model minority is a woman named Nicole Chung. Yes. Who... A plus. A plus. A plus plus would read again. She wrote an amazing article for the New York Times called What I Learned from Chrissy Amaguchi, which is just like... Um... It's basically an article about how when she was growing up, she looked up so much to Christy Yamaguchi because she was the only Asian person in athletics Yep, that she could, that she could sort of look up to. And not only was she the only Asian person, but she was winning championships, winning gold medals, basically sort of representing what it could mean for an Asian person to be, like, really successful and, like, also Asian. I loved watching Chrissy Yamaguchi. I remember being really young and having my eyes glued to the TV. And I think I messaged you, Yoko, about the reason why I love the Olympics is because my first recollection of the Olympics is Chrissy Yamaguchi. Same. I have a V... What are they called? VHS cassette tape yep. that my dad recorded of the 1992 Olympics, I could probably sing along to the commercials <laughs> in that. You've watched it that many times? Yeah. There is an there's an ad for Coke with, like, Nancy Kerrigan as a figure skater, and she's, like, um, she, like, sort of has a moment with a, with a hockey player from the USSR, and then they share a Coca-Cola. And then there's also an ad for Chapstick. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, basically, I loved this article. Um, I thought it was so... It spoke so much to me as a person who, having seen not that many Asian people to, like, have as an idol or, like, to look up to and, like, have this one woman just, like, kill it. Killing it. Kill it. I was six. And then I went... And then I, like, made my parents let me take figure skating classes. Like, I don't think at the time, similarly to what Nicole Chung says in this article, like, I don't think she realized at the time, like, how big of a deal it was for her to see Christy Yamaguchi doing so well mm-hmm. um, in the World uh, World Series, World Championships and the Olympics and stuff, but she looks back on it now and it's just like, she, like, tweeted at Christy saying, like, thank you, and then she responded and Christy said something like, 
and now like people will look up to you and the circle has been closed or something like that and I almost cried at work <laughs> dude I mean I think she mentions in the article something very poignant which is like you mentioned Christy Yamaguchi and so many people can identify with oh my god I saw her too and I feel yeah. like that was a, a lot of people saw themselves reflected in her because that's the only person that you could really look at at There's the time. nobody else at the time. Not really. I mean, this is something that I'd kind of wanted to cover at some point, but, like, do you have any... Aside from Christy Yamaguchi and then later along in my lifetime, there was Michelle Kwan. Oh, my God. Yeah, she's um, great. But aside from, you know, athletes, who were your Asian-American idols, Yoko? They were all anime characters. <laughs> <laughs> no real-life people, really? Nope. Oh my god, okay. Mm, nope. <laughs> well, aside from Christy Yamaguchi and Michelle Kwan, my Asian American idol was Suchin Pak, who was on MTV. Right. She was my favorite person to watch. Like She was super cool. She was really cool, just very well-spoken, had a super ethnic-ass name, was super smart and beautiful and funny, and came on right after Daria, my favorite show, and... I just thought, wow, like, that's what I want to be is, like, a news anchor that's not some corny person on at, like, 7 o'clock. It's, like, you can be on MTV representing everybody. And she wouldn't just do, like, Asian-American interest pieces. She would, like, tell you when certain rock stars and celebrities had died and, like, cool shit that was going on. I was like, yeah. oh, God. Speaking of MTV, if Jane from MTV, uh, MTV's Daria is Asian, she would also be my idol. But she yes. is also not a real person. She's also <laughs> an animated character, so I guess that still doesn't count. Yo, can I, like, confide something into you? Like, so, uh, I know that Jane's last name is Lane, but she is very ethnically ambiguous looking, and I always kind of loved Daria because I thought that Jane was Asian, and I felt that I saw myself re reflected in her a little bit as well. Yeah, definitely more than Tiffany, the, the cheerleader. Tiffany? Yeah. Oh my god, Sandy's so pretty. That's, That's a really good impression of her. Thank you. My cousin Tracy's friend Robin talked exactly like her. Wow, that's amazing. I also own Daria every single episode. I have seen every single episode like at least five times. <laughs> we, 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 have our, we have our skeletons. Yes. Anyway, Kate. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, uh, who's your model minority, Kate? My model minority is a woman named Yuna Zarai. And I think that's how you pronounce it. But she's a Malaysian singer-songwriter. And right now, like, I've been listening to Yuna for, I think she came out around two years ago with her self-titled album, Yuna. And she had this really awesome song called um, Decorate. And it's yes. just about, you know that song? Yeah, oh, you made me God. listen to it. It's good. It's so good. It's just about how, like, this girl decorates her house with things that, like, this guy who she left loved just in case she come, he comes back. Yeah, so, I'm just so like, sad. oh, my God. You know, it's just, like, very <laughs> loving and longing. And, like, it talks about, like, just being, like, codependent. But you listen to it, and it doesn't sound like an Asian person. She doesn't have an accent, but she's Malaysian, and she's also Muslim. And so she wears, like, um, a hijab, like, whenever she performs, or, like, some kind of, like, head wrap to cover her hair. Oh. And I just think that she is super fucking cool. She's really fashionable, great businesswoman, amazing voice. And right now, she's got two songs out that I am obsessed with. She's got one called Places to Go, and I just want to, like, create, like a like, a super cut of me like riding my bike through New York City <laughs> to that song. It's like the soundtrack of my commute. And then she has this other song out with Usher right now called Crush. Oh my god. What? It's Usher? So good. I feel I'm gonna watch 
right. Um, I think it's time to bring in our guest. Hey, Kevin, what's up? Not much. Hi, Kevin. I've been silently watching you. Yeah. Are you enjoying what you're watching? Does he? I've been trying not to laugh, (laughs) so like I could formally enter the arena. (laughs) Watch us hear this recording, and you can just hear Kevin breathe. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, the first time we recorded, I felt like I was breathing really loud. You know, just like. (sighs) Yeah. I I honestly couldn't hear it. Well, now I'll probably hear it. Maybe I like it wasn't even like the first official recording, but I suddenly became very, very aware of when I exhale. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's like when uh, if you ever record a video and you're not the one speaking, it's like a very abnormal feeling. You don't know what to do. The camera is on you and you're like, do I look at the person that's speaking? Do I just smile? Do I just have dead face? And then now whenever you watch another video and you look at the people that aren't speaking, which you don't always do, mm-hmm. you'll be like, wow, they feel the exact same way. They look so awkward. They look super awkward. They just like smile and not smile, smile or like kind of make motions. <laughs> it's like a spotlight's put on you and you're, you know, just like, uh, you're done. Uh. <laughs> Dude, Kevin, so why don't you, um, Kevin, Yoko, and I all know each other because we all used to work together mm-hmm. or around each other in the same co-working space, but yeah. Kevin, why don't you, um, why don't you tell us how you came to New York? Can I get sake first? Of course! Oh my god! So- sake break. Yes. Sake break. It's really smooth. Okay, we're back. Easy to drink. Okay, we're back. We're back. back. From sake break. Back, back from sake break. Kevin was just about to launch into his coming to New York story. Yeah, his origin stories. Got it. So, um. Well, why don't you tell us, like, where you're from? How you grew up, that first, and then how you grew up in New York. Um, <laughs> so I was born in San Jose, California, represent uh, at the Good Samaritan Hospital. And um, when I was in preschool, after going to a private preschool, the country school of Almaden, the only private school I've ever been to, um, my dad got a better job. He was working in tech, uh, and he got a better job. Um at a big hard drive company that said, oh, you can move out to Colorado and it'll be awesome. So we just kind of uprooted and moved to Colorado when I was about to hit kindergarten. Uh-huh. And that's where I grew up, in the small town of Niwot, Colorado. That's spelled N-I-W-O-T. And it's I think two win backwards. It is two win backwards. That was definitely a high school cheer. Dope. Uh, and I think Niwot stands for... It was Chief Left Hand, or Chief Niwot translates like Chief Left Hand, because there's a lot of uh, American Indian culture that's like prevalent without throughout Colorado things. Anyways, uh, fast forward, I went all the way through high school there, so I really feel like I'm a Colorado kid. I went back to California for college at Berkeley, go Bears. And then when I was finishing up, um, I was a mechanical engineer, I didn't think want to really practice as a mechanical engineer i'll give you the short version i emailed a bunch of people that i looked up to one of them lived in new york who produced a conference out here uh called the feast and then we just started working together after like my cold outreach and then she was like you should think about moving here and i had this one job offer um that i had already signed uh, Do you mind telling people where that job offer I, was? I had this job offer at the Googleplex. Oh my god! Oh my god! You could have been a Googler. I could have been a Noogler, as a they Noogler. call the new Googlers. You could have worn you the know, spinny hat. The spinny hat. That's yeah. that's the thing. The I could have worn the spinny hat. Um, and I, uh, after realizing that 
I could go to New York and kind of figure things out. Uh, I gave back my job offer, which I wouldn't recommend, but they were very nice to me. I said, I have to follow my dreams. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, then moved to New York without a really solid opportunity. Um, but I landed out here, continued some work with, um, this woman, Jerry at the feast, met another woman, Tina, who runs creative mornings, another company out here. And I started my New York career. Probably the most important thing throughout this is my parents were not happy. Mm-hmm. They were really not happy. I had I was so good at being a really good Asian American male. Yeah, you did everything that was expected of you. Yeah. It like breaks my heart to think about uh moving out here. Why? I remember like giving my parents the news. So I like had graduated. I went on this East Coast road trip. I stopped by New York. I met up with Tina and Jerry and was like, I'm going to go, I'm going to move there and I'm going to give back my job offer. Right. I have to now tell my parents. So I went to Colorado and like, you we told them in out. person? I told them in person. <gasps> yeah. And I like, like we sat down as a little bit of a big announcement and like, uh, uh, my, uh, my, my mom, and my father were heartbroken. Well, because you had just completed both your undergraduate and a graduate yeah. degree, yeah. right? Yeah. And in engineering. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, what were they, what happened? Did they yell at you? Did they? No, uh, my parents don't really yell. They get disappointed. Oh, um, that's almost worse. That's, that's yeah. actually worse. Because, like, my yeah. mom was a yeller and pretty, you know, after the age of, like, yeah. 12, you could become pretty numb to it. But, God. Yeah. My dad told me he was disappointed in me. I would. Yeah. I also could not pitch it very well at the time. It was like, well, what are you going to do out there? It's like, well, there's this like free event series that like this woman I met through another woman works on out there. And she says I can like work on this job. I haven't like signed any sort of job offer. Mm -hmm. They're like, you have a full time job offer over here with like a company and there's insurance and it's a brand name. And what are you saying you're going to do? Like, it's not even like. You have a vision, like I'm going to be an artist. I'm just like I feel like I should go out there. Um, yeah. Good lord. Yeah, I remember that. And thinking back, I think the it wasn't that I would just was like following my dreams or passions. It wasn't like that. My parents are very much like do what makes you happy, do what you love, just go like work your ass off and really do it. Um, They had said later, like I wish you had filled us in in like what you wanted to do Mm because we wanted to be a part of this like i thought maybe you would be practicing in engineering um and i had other plans and i had not included them uh within that process they're like we could have helped you make these decisions or maybe you shouldn't have majored in this and we could have da 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 um yeah and they were just worried about like my livelihood Totally. Did they have like really um, clear laid out expectations of you in high school or college? Like mm. you have to study this, major in this? No, uh, I had to get A's. Okay. Um, Which you did. Bef- through. I mean, obviously the kid went to Berkeley. Hey. Yeah, but through Berkeley too, I heard. Um, <laughs> I had to get A's. Uh, there were the less of pressure to make that happen in college because they knew that that would be like more challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, and... The 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 instruction, the the blueprint was like, hey, you should do what you love and what you're good at. If that happens to be 
engineering or medicine like that's great <laughs> because the world is going to love you back a little yeah. bit more yeah um and i i really appreciate that i i kind of not that i say it has to be engineering or medicine but i i think it's important to have a level of practicality like yeah. i love the advice from the there's like a new york times article about like i don't know it's like you can try to do what you love but some things are just going to love you back a little bit more that's, that makes sense yeah. so true so, uh, yeah. so uh where are you from oh uh no, but like where are you really yeah like from? where are your parents from? where are your parents from i'm vietnamese full-blooded um my mother uh grew up in saigon and my dad uh for the most part grew up in queen young which is um like central or just a little bit south of central vietnam mm-hmm. vietnamese people listening to this are going to be like that kid's accent is totally off because i lost my ability to speak vietnamese at a very young age um, and I didn't prioritize it, and it's uh, I feel guilty about that. But yeah, I am a full-blooded Vietnamese. My parents are war refugees. They came over in 1975. Um, they did not meet until here in the States. They both uh, ended up, uh, because of the Vietnam War, um, they fled the country. They both ended up in uh, s- small-town Texas. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly. I know my... Uh, Dad, dad, sort of like foster families from Granbury, and I knew that my parents went to a junior college called Weatherford, mm-hmm. but they met in like as Vietnamese immigrants in Texas. Dude, the immigration story, yeah. man. They, this is a common story, but like my my parents, like I am so privileged based on my upbringing, uh, and, and it's no wonder that you know some of the decisions that my parents were sort of like didn't really get why I would make them. Um, they come from a place of my parents came here. My dad was like filling potholes, working at A&W root beer and like Mrs. Bear's breads, like factory jobs yeah. um, to put himself through college. Mm-hmm. And, and give your ass a better life. Yeah. And then, you know, I grow up and I have a giant driveway and I got to play basketball and I didn't work my real first paying job until I like it was had my first internship in college. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I was yeah. Uh, pretty much like spoon-fed with a golden spoon compared to, uh, you know, what they had to do when they moved here with... I was told it was like $15 in their pockets. I don't know if that's like True. completely accurate, but relatively... I mean, yeah, like with inflation speaking, now, yeah. with inflation now, yeah. it's probably more like yeah. maybe like $17. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're amazing people. Were they yeah, the... They um, really cool only members of their family that came over or did their whole family come over mm, different stories my um my mother almost her entire family came over and they're both the uh, like the youngest of very large families um like uh, six to nine brothers and sisters on both mm-hmm. sides my parents are both the youngest my mom came over they didn't all come over in one like group it wasn't mm-hmm. like all in one boat or all in one ship yeah. like it took a bit of time to bring everyone over uh, but they did. My father was the only one of his entire family still to date. Well, no, he might. He has one sister now, I believe, that has immigrated. But my dad, like, uh, came over solo. Um, wow. Yeah. yeah. So um, the entire time they were here, were they sending money back home? I'm not sure. I Well, I've heard stories about my dad, like, coming back. Like, when he started, got to visit Vietnam again and he would, like... Uh, he would uh, give money, like bring money yeah. to uh, to his family. How um, 
how soon after I'm sorry I feel like I'm like grilling no no but like how (laughs) soon after um, they moved to the United States did they go back it took a while I wish I could remember the number now Mm -hmm. I because I just interviewed and like uh, I've felt a little guilty because I like assume it's one of those stories like I assumed I knew what my parents story was but really I just like new little details and mm-hmm. kind of brushed over it mm-hmm. um unlike you know like i never studied it actively and i was like i want to be able to tell this story so i interviewed my dad for a couple hours and like recorded the audio um and we, did, we only got through like half the uh half the story right. up until like when he was i don't think we got to the point where he like set foot in on u.s soil we were still wow, in like the middle of the immigration Vietnam. but uh i it was it was many years before they were able to go back and i've gone back with um also like uh like my my aunt lon who uh i'm really close to she mm-hmm. helped put me through college um and i went back with her for like the first time she had been back since immigrating <gasps> wow. here wow yeah yeah. That's crazy. That is so crazy. Do you remember the difference between the word immigrate and emigrate? Like, one starts with an I, one starts with an E, and yes, I forget the difference. Yes, I can tell you right now. Uh, immigrate, to immigrate is to leave a country. Mm-hmm. To emigrate, with an E, is to come to a country. So you can immigrate from Vietnam, Vietnam em- and emigrate, emigrate to, to the United States. States. Wow. Yeah. That's an important distinction. Replace yeah. my E's with I's in the appropriate places, please. Yeah. I don't really think that we can do Photoshop that. that. Put, Photo- put that in. <laughs> Audio. Correct that in post. No problem. <laughs> we'll fix that in post. Easy. Don't worry. Easy, easy. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people don't know the difference, and it's. I'm glad that we educated everyone on that. I think at some point I just looked it up because I was like, I don't know what it is. Yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah. But um, can you tell us a little bit about, like, so why did they move to Colorado? Is there, like, a big Vietnamese population in Colorado? No. Like, it's not like. Because I feel like, especially with new immigrants, they tend to go where all the other people are. I mean, that's definitely true of, like, my family choosing to move to Los Angeles, where there's, like, a huge Japanese-American population. Mm. So why'd they choose Colorado if there's no pocket Mm. Vietnamese population? So there, uh, we recently discovered, like, a pocket Vietnamese population around Westminster, Colorado. It's not very large, really but you funny. can find, like... That's very funny. Because there's a Westminster in California. Uh, there's yes. a ton of Asians there. Well, maybe all, maybe all Westminsters have a ton of Asians. <laughs> it's like a flag. I shall name this place Westminster. Um, but uh, we moved because of my dad's job, or at least that's uh, right. what I understand. Um, yeah, my dad was... He was at IBM before, and then working somewhere else, and then it was uh, there was just an opportunity um, in mm-hmm. Colorado. I assume to you know make more money, have more yep. management opportunities, and oh, I think there was like a a safety component too. Um, I think with it, there was an opportunity to move to like a better area. Hmm. Uh, I mean, I lived in a really like safe suburban area in Colorado. The mm-hmm. downside being we weren't around a lot of other Vietnamese families and in California we were around like everybody. A lot of we had, you know, the the friends that I considered like aunts and uncles and like kids that I considered cousins. Mm-hmm. Um and my parents still keep in touch with a number of them today, but um I don't think we never rebuilt that when we were in Colorado. Well, oh, my guess is that there weren't that many. Yeah. Were there any other um minorities in general yeah where you grew up 
Um, there was a there was a Hispanic population, um, and when the slowly more Asians came in, yep. Least, I'm just thinking about like my school. That's kind of all you know. Yeah, growing that's all, up, that's all. That's yeah. all I know. And yeah. I grew up in New York. Yeah. Uh, so there were there was a handful. It was mostly white though. Okay. Um. Yeah. I felt special. Yeah. Can you tell us more <laughs> about? Can you tell us more about that feeling special? Because I feel like both Kate and I grew up in environments where being Asian was like really not that unusual. Yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. being Japanese was a little bit unusual for me. Maybe not so much for Kate, mm-hmm. but like. Asianness was not exotic. It's not exotic to to mm. us growing up in like in a metropolitan city. Like I went to a school that had a lot of Asian kids. Like what yeah. what percentage are we talking? That we grew up in? Yeah. Well, it was enough that I had like a full Asian friend group at like a majority white high school. So mm. I would say like maybe ten percent. Mm. I would say at least Maybe like 20, 30 at my mm. high school. I my high school when I had graduated high school, the in, the following incoming class was something like fifty yeah. percent Chinese. Yeah. It was like a really crazy statistic that yeah. made people like, should we do it for affirmative action? But uh, we were just mm. like, oh my, oh my god! And then I was and then I ran away to college. Was it a public school? Yeah, it was a public school. public high school, okay. magnet school. But you guys both went to UCLA and Berkeley, respectively, yeah. where there were a shit ton of Asians. Yeah, Woo! did you feel like a contrast? Did you, a contrast? Did you, like, come into... I mean, you grew up in San Jose, but when you moved to Berkeley, were you like, oh, I, I was so young. I was so young in San Jose, though. Like, I pretty much just remember hanging out with my brother mm-hmm. and, yeah, I don't know, going to Taekwondo. <laughs> I know that you mentioned that you felt special yeah. in Colorado because you were Asian and there weren't that many Asian people there. Yeah. Um, could you talk a little bit more about that and how it changed, if it changed when you went to Berkeley? Mm. I w- never felt... Uh, I I never felt much like negative attention being Asian growing up in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um Maybe if I like watched my, you know, elementary through high school years through a TV today, I'd be like, oh, maybe that was because of like, you know, uh, my background. But while there, I don't know. I pretty, I just chalked it up that to say I am, I look a little different from folks here, and uh, I stick out a little bit. But I wasn't really picked on. Um, if anything, I, I felt like I had a good amount of friends. Uh, I wasn't like a super cool kid, but I was like the smarter one that I don't know you would still hang out with. Mm-hmm. I was I was when very you... nice, and people were pretty nice to me. Um, so you didn't feel that different when you moved to Berkeley. Mm. How did it feel being surrounded by Asians? Because I'm a I'm a speak from experience. Whenever I showed up at Berkeley, because I also went to school in the Bay Area, it was kind of terrifying. I mean, terrifying. maybe not terrifying, <laughs> but just sort of like, I just felt like I was going to run into somebody I knew or, you know, just <laughs> oh, yeah. like, oh God, but it's like, it's, it is a little bit jarring. Like I'm not used to seeing so many all at once and they're all for the most part, Asian American. Cause it's different when you go to Japan and everybody's Japanese. You're like, I expect mm. this, mm. but we're in interesting the States and I'm just showing up at this like all Asian, like it feels like an all Asian campus. 
I don't know what this says, but so I didn't. Uh, I didn't feel uncomfortable there. Uh, I uh, yeah, but I also shied away from like the Vietnamese student association. Why? That's, I'm not exactly sure. Um, I might be a bit of, like ashamed that I don't speak Vietnamese, mm. um, and that makes me a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, so I have, I have, and had lots of Asian friends there, and some of them are Vietnamese, but I did not like seek out the Vietnamese community while on campus. Oh, I see. Because maybe I wanted to still be special. Oh, <laughs> our special Kevin. Hey, yeah. You did? Did you do VK Student Union at UCLA? No. So I, I thought this was interesting that you you mentioned that because when I went to UCLA. I had the option of joining two, like, I mean, option of joining many campus groups, but the ones that I thought might be pertinent to me were either NSU, mm-hmm. Nikkei Student Union, or JSA, the Japan Student, Japanese Student Association. Okay, so that's literally, like, FOBs and then... Like, actual Japanese natives. <laughs> yeah. We're going in. And NSU <laughs> is, in. like, Japanese Americans. <laughs> yeah, but the thing about NSU is... I, so I went. So I ended up choosing NSU partially because they had a dance team that I was trying out for that I did not get into. Uh, Yoko's okay. a great dancer now. She's so a fantastic yeah, dancer. NSU. You miss shove ass. it. Don't, don't listen shove to it. Um, but the thing is, like, once I started hanging out with the NSU people, I realized that none of them were children of immigrants. No, all of them had parents who were born in America. They were full full blood Japanese and everything, or whatever half half Japanese or. But they, they just had a they had an entirely different life experience from me. Yeah. And I, I felt like I couldn't associate with them like that much. So I ended up not joining either of them. I don't belong anywhere. Dude, I mean <laughs> I had a similar experience because at uh, University of San Francisco where I went, um, there's like kind of a dichotomy of Asians and it's basically like Asians from Asia, Asians from Hawaii, and Asians from California. Mm. And a trichotomy. Yeah, a trichotomy. Sorry, <laughs> not trichotomy. Trichotomy. You're right. But, I mean, Hawaii and California are, like, still America, but they're two very different things because Asians from Hawaii are, like, their own special breed. They also only want to, like, kind of hang out with each other. But I'm not from Hawaii, so I'm not going to, you know, I can't vibe with them on that level. They all also went to, like, one of three high schools, which is really difficult because they all kind of knew each other. Mm. So I joined the, or I like went to a meeting for like the Japan student union or whatever. And it was two things. It was, it was weeaboos, just like white people try to be Japanese. <laughs> white I people love, with katanas. I love, I love that word. And, and it was like a few fobs. And by a few, I mean like three. And then there were two other girls that were kind of like me that were like, oh, I'm not like a NorCal Asian coming from Southern California where there's like a shit ton of Japanese Americans. I was just like, whoa, everyone here is either Chinese or Filipino and I just feel like I don't belong. But what ended up happening is because I I became close friends with those two girls but we just kind of forged our own path. I didn't end up joining the club. Yeah. But I went to a meeting and was really weirded out, dude. Yeah, I felt super weird going to those meetings. I was just like, all these people look like me but I don't act like any of them. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, um, I have a specific question about Berkeley that I'm interested in hearing from you. So, Kevin, Kevin, uh, Kevin spoke recently at a, at the conference series that he sort of helped grow Creative Mornings, and he, in it he talks about 
um, a class that he attended called Styles Hall. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what Styles Hall is? Yeah. Um, the class is actually called Facing You, Facing Me, and it's uh, hosted at part of Styles Hall. Um, Styles Hall is a nonprofit that's oh. like associated with the UC Berkeley campus um, that uh, works with underrepresented uh, communities. And the executive director over there, David Stark, Dave Stark, um, my boy Dave, he started a class 15, 20 years ago where uh, he curates, selects a really small group of diverse students. So you can imagine if it's like 16 to 20 students, it'd be like half, maybe lower income, half higher income. Um, there's like a, uh, you know, four Asian students, four black students, four Latino students, et cetera, et cetera. Like, and then there'd be uh, representations of like different sexuality and religion. Uh, and he would create this microcosm of like a really diverse set of people. And the class uh, lasts um, the length of a semester. And it's uh, your... Uh, the goal is to discuss race, identity, um, and through it, you complete homework, different types of homework that's assigned by different groups of students. So say, actually the first homework assignment uh, is more of like a breaking the ice uh, exercise, and Dave says, you know, partner up with someone of a different gender and a different race as you that you do not know, and share your favorite music. And then you go and you do your homework and you come back and you discuss a little bit about like what that was like. And eventually you're doing homework that's like um, you, uh, a, a group of students would invite you to like understand what it's like to be them a little bit. Like give you a slice of slice of their world. So, you know, uh, one of the Chinese students was like, I'll take you on a tour of the Chinese projects I grew up in. Um, some of the African-American students were like, you can attend a mostly African-American church with me this weekend. Um, uh, you know, you can come and have uh, a home cooked meal with my mother. You can, um, et cetera, et cetera. And so, through each of these weeks, you are like learning a bit about the experience of one of these other like student groups. And then you come back in class, and it's one of these classes where you're like just probed with questions, and it's supposed to be a safe space, and you're bringing up stereotypes, and you argue, and you like cry and you make up and <laughs> well, sometimes and you um i don't know, just get really into certain conversations that you wouldn't normally get to have i say it's a privilege because you're not wow. usually in a space where someone might be like i could be like hey let's list out all of the asian stereotypes you've ever heard yeah and then Was like let's ask you to do stuff like that yeah 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 um you know, and then you uh, would talk about like why, you know, why do you think like this? What, you know, where do you think these things come from? Um, and yeah, through the course of this class, you, I, I especially love what Dave has done because to me, he's like focusing so much on uh, 
just like inception, like seeding this group of young leaders. Because they'd be like, you know, uh, the president of a Latina sorority next to this, you know, young Asian kid that plans to go into banking. Maybe two kids that would never cross paths. And now it gives them this like really intense experience. Mm -hmm. And he might, you know, the expectation, there isn't an expectation that you'll become best friends afterwards. But at the end of the day, you're going to like approach, approach some situation in your future and you're going to think about it a little differently because you went through this class and you know 16 20 students isn't a lot per semester but you do that for 20 years and you do that with like a really great group of students every single time that are nominated right that yeah there's like a lineage to it like i have recommended uh students uh to take it like the next semester and semesters afterwards and the, the unwritten thing is you at least I would recommend, uh, you know, other Asian American males. <laughs> I'd yeah, be like, yeah. where are they? I'm going to bring in some Asian dudes. Like, what are some Asian dudes that would appreciate this? And, um, you know, if I still met one today that was starting Berkeley, you know, uh, fall 2016, I still feel like I could recommend him. Yeah. Um, and now, to me, all these, all of these students are probably in, you know, hundred different companies around the yeah. world all over doing their work and they have like the styles hall experience so cool uh, within them that's awesome yeah it's really it's so cool do you feel like did you did you notice any sort of market change from the beginning of the semester to the end of the semester in anybody yeah i, I have a feeling would you or maybe it's like a uh students who are nominated into being put into the class like they're nominated because someone thinks that it's good for them in some way or other or they think that they They will appreciate it they will appreciate it or they'll eventually be a person of influence like these kinds of people but also they they must be open-minded to 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 being vulnerable or exposed to a certain kind of environment so did you notice any sort of change in in yourself or in the students you were there I can't confidently speak about the other students um, as far as like what really I I assume for so, like anything some like had more of a like transformative experience others mm-hmm. might be like that was I feel like everyone net positive but um, for me I remember n- noticing a little bit more like uh and maybe, well, I, I for one example, I uh, I made a lot of Indian friends while I was at Berkeley. You, you go through, you have like your that first weekend where um, uh, you you come in for the summer, you spend a weekend there. It's like engineers' yeah. weekend, and you sleep in the dorms. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Yoko and I just went to the wedding of like the the my roommate for that weekend, and for some reason, I uh, just came home after that weekend with like. 10 to 20 Indian dudes that were my homies. And we stayed in touch. Some of them live in New York today. We just celebrated my birthday with them. Yeah. And um, sometimes I would go out with them, and it would just be like all of Browntown and Kevin. Uh, and like deep, maybe like 25 Indian people, and then me and I having the time of my life. I remember it being in the middle of Styles Hall, or like being right afterwards and being like on the BART train going to San Francisco and see people like kind of look at our group and I would like would just think 
what are they thinking right now? Because I know they're thinking something. Yeah. Um, so that you know that it it to that tuned that sort of like antenna for me a little bit. Also, we had uh, a week or two on uh, on uh, the experience of being a woman, um, and my takeaway from that week was just like I don't understand what it is like there are like unique aspects to being a woman that i will likely never comprehend and i just need to respect that um yeah speaking as a woman who has worked for you you are very very empathetic and kevin has seen me cry a bunch of times Uh, (laughs) uh, we probably all cried in the same room at the same time oh yeah god um um, did you have, I mean, we were talking about this earlier, did you ever have, like, any Asian American idols, or, like, who did you, like, enjoying watch on TV? You, or, you, when you guys were talking about this, I was trying to, like, think about what my answer would be growing up. Um, I watched a bunch of, like, Jackie Chan, Jet Li aw, movies. Shit. Like, that was, that was it. Like, I watched Jet Li's uh, Once Upon a Time in China series. Do you Go. know those? I haven't seen them, but I have There are a lot them. of them. There's, like, Once Upon a Time in China, like, one through four. Maybe four <laughs> is, like, Once Upon a Time, like, in China, in America. It's and definitely in more America. than Once Upon a Time in China. And, mm-hmm. like, that stuff is just the shit. Like, it is so cool. Martial arts? Martial arts. And then Jackie Chan is just the man what is your favorite jackie chan movie rush hour 2 that's said but that's for like i mean there are that's for as a movie as a whole like i could watch that over and over again today yeah um i always laugh at the blooper i don't know like (laughs) i remember watching rumble in the bronx and being like this is so rough yeah and then they like put the guy through the tree shredder and i'm like every time i saw i was like oh god and they the guy like drags like the chunks in and yep. like the the garbage bag and I just that was so visceral to me. Oh my god! It was so intense. <laughs> so uh, those were probably my um, my Asian idols growing cool. up. It had to do with like kicking butt and being. That's good. You know, a martial artist. So those guys never really got the ladies. No, Asian guys never do. How do you feel about that? Did you ever <sighs> date anyone that uh, was? Uh... Non-Asian? Oh, I did not date until college. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, so sore. Uh, <laughs> I am classic, like, my friend Brian and I talk about this. <laughs> Brian, Brian and I would not shoot unless we're, like, 99% sure. Shoot as in just, like, ask a girl out, or maybe Brian was a lot better than me at this, but ask a lady out or, like, confess your feelings. Maybe... Calling it confessing your feelings is the first mistake. Yeah. <laughs> and you didn't get okay. ladies. Why? <laughs> uh, but really, you should be, like, shooting if you're 50% sure, 30% 50, sure. 30? Like, 2% sure? I don't know. No, I was going to go with a higher number. Really? Yeah, I don't know. No, if you think there's, more... I mean, sure as in, like, that they will reciprocate. Shooting as in, like, you say something like, oh, can I take you out? Kevin, you are a man. Like, you can just say it, and it's it'll be fine. Well, or like people it, won't be like, "Oh my god!" About yeah, it. Exactly. well, see, yeah, I didn't get over that, and now I'm in a, a beautiful long term relationship, so I'm like, "All right, whatever, <laughs> check that box off. It's cool." <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, uh, case crying. Sorry, we need to we need to cut away. For back a to back to the original <laughs> yes. question around like Asian yeah. guys not getting the ladies. Um, 
it it especially bothers me now because i feel like it like it in a really sneaky way affected me mm. did you feel like you couldn't go up to non asian women i felt like oh, now i'm just like having all these flashbacks to like I don't know, a girl in, like, the fourth grade, like, telling another girl she liked me, and then, like, how that all manifests. Is she Asian? uh, No, no, there were, uh, there were white ladies that were, that, that were into this. Noise! 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 (laughs) Um, I was about to say I didn't feel very attractive, but I don't know if that was it. Or, then I was gonna say, I, I didn't feel like, uh that other like that a you know a a tall beautiful white lady would see me lady tall beautiful white girl would see me as attractive Mm. but i don't know i just didn't have confidence in that and maybe that's just something you like will into being but i i have to believe that if i watched more movies growing up where like asian dudes were slaying and i had like some sort of I don't know, role model. I don't know if you want to be a role model, but like, <laughs> I don't know if I had more of that representation, Word. Uh, Word. then I would have felt uh, more confident in that arena. I was, I totally just went and it served me well in my career, but I went down the route, which was like, I'm just going to be the smartest, like nicest, you know, funniest like most ambitious person and then they will like find me and love me like that was my approach to it that's happened just yeah. fyi but it, <laughs> probably could but i probably could have had more fun along the way if i was more brave could have had way more white women along the way <laughs> uh, is what I'm saying. <laughs> yo i'll never forget yeah. um so i had a lot of dude friends growing up when i was in high school and um when i was in college as well and still today but I was with a group of, like, mostly Asian dudes, and we went out to get frozen yogurt. And they see this guy pull up in a Mercedes SUV, and it's an Asian dude, and he opens the door for his uh, guest in the passenger seat, and it's this blonde, beautiful woman with huge boobs, and he, like, lets her out the car. This dude's also ripped, wearing, like, a V-neck t-shirt, like... He's got, like, the man pecs. He looks like fucking Han from Fast and Furious. And they're like, that dude is living the dream. <laughs> just, so now... That guy. That guy. That living guy. living the dream. He's taking his white girlfriend to get a frozen yogurt in all Asian neighborhood. And wow. I will he, never He knows exactly that. what he's doing. I will never forget that. Because every single one of those dudes is now... Like, was then and is now still dating an Asian woman. Like, an Asian American woman. And I'm just like... Yo, dude, there's nothing stopping from, like... Or, I don't know, I just wanted to understand, like, what is stopping you from doing the same thing that this dude's doing? They're all very attractive, very smart, and... And now whenever... And I have to admit that whenever I see an Asian dude and a white lady, I'm like, you go, Asian dude! You're living the dream! So what What do you think about the, like, uh, the statement that, oh, well, uh, you know, dating someone else, Asian, is, uh... She understands, like... It's nice that she understands what it's like to be Asian, like on, yeah. a, on a cultural whatever level. And it's also e- some very practical things are easier, like we like some of the same foods, yep. um, you know, 
whatever we have similar hair color. I don't know. Other, other important wow, practical. Wow, you have items. black hair. I have black hair. We should date. Other practical <laughs> items. Dude, speaking from personal experience, I have never been in a relationship with another Asian dude. Mm. Never. And um, it. The closest I've ever come is like I was very close with like a half white, half Asian dude, but. Yeah, it's just not the same. But everybody who I've sort of been in a pseudo relationship with has been not the same ethnic background mm-hmm. as me, and it is difficult because certain uh, certain things that are left unsaid and unspoken, like they don't have that same mentality whatsoever. Yeah, and there is a little bit more explaining involved, but at the same time, I kind of, like, am really into learning about another mm-hmm. person. That's but cool. But I feel like the reason why it hasn't really worked out with those guys is because they're not as invested in learning mm. more about me. So, I, like, I just feel like as long as that's equal-equal, then there's not really a problem. But my type tends to be mixed mm. dude. <laughs> the, Ethnically ambiguous. This yeah. is, is going to be touchy territory. I'm about to ask my girlfriend about ex-boyfriends. Okay. Mm-hmm. But (laughs) usually, usually my, I, I consider myself a very like peaceful, chill person. Right. I do know like when it comes to ex-boyfriends, usually I'm just like, let's not talk about that Mm -hmm. at all. Cause it brings out a version of Kevin. I definitely get jealous. (gasps) Wow. My friend Brian and I talk about this. We like, we're so... (laughs) Mm, I don't know, scrupulous on, like, other levels. When it comes to, like, ex-boyfriends and potential jealousy, I get angry for no good reason. Like, I just... And I and at least I can tell say that now. I'll be like, hey, I'm going to be totally understanding about 99.99% of the things that are ever going to happen to us. When it comes to ex-boyfriends, just know sometimes I'm going to be like, I feel really bad in this scenario. I can't do anything about it. Wow. But at least I, you know I that about yourself. I actually didn't really know. I knew that to some extent you had no interest in talking about my ex, which is fine because neither did I, Yeah. to be quite well, honest. But like, there are times when, and this is like kind of a, not very a nice thing to say, but usually when I do, it is about how my ex is was just like it what didn't work out nearly as well as this situation yes <laughs> so my question was going to be you've yoko you've dated uh non-asian yes men before yes. um like is this oh another asian person understands me on another level thing do you sense that at all um it was never a conscious decision you need to, I'm making, our listeners need to see the, the faces I'm making, and the poses that Kevin and Kate are making odd, like, odd body motions odd body mo- like half mm. cringy motions um, I would not say that it was a conscious decision um, but in hindsight having I mean before I dated Kevin I dated an, another guy who was Asian in hindsight sure there it was more convenient in a lot of ways, much less explaining. Mm-hmm. Or maybe in high school, I didn't really feel like there was much explanation needed because they weren't as serious. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. I I do think that when people go into relationships with people of the same this of the same ethnicity or racial background as they are, like they, for the most part, 
they may not say that they're actively looking for someone within a, within like the same background or whatever, but they they they'll it's kind of like an added benefit that is not necessarily like a must have, but it is I'm not going to deny that it's a little bit easier to be dating an Asian person who kind of has I don't want to say similar values, but like we similar experiences, similar experiences, because yeah. from an outsider's perspective, we look very much alike. Right. Yeah. Truthfully, wow, well, I'm just derailing what we're talking about. Do it. Do it. I felt that um, I had a better chance of being seen as attractive by Asian women. That's a really valuable point of view because I feel like I am more attractive to non-Asian men. Like, 10 out of 10 times. <laughs> like, wow. Well, because it's That's like, 100% of the time. Well, because it's just like, Asian dudes do not come up to me. Like, like mm. if we're out in a public setting... How often do Asian dudes come up to people <laughs> anyways? <laughs> PSA. Real talk. If you're, if you're an Asian dude, go get out there. Get out there. Though, like, if you don't, you might end up in a great situation like your friend Kevin Huynh. Yeah, but it's just sort of like, hey, if, you, if you're if you not coming up to me, then I don't think you're attracted to me, right? So I have, like, honestly labored under this, like, kind of validated assumption that, like, Asian dudes do not find me attractive. Mm. I'm also tall for an Asian lady. I'm 5'7 on a good day. That's yeah. tall for an Asian lady? Dude. Yeah, that's Most tall. Asian women are, like, 5'2 to 5'4. Yeah. Like, I was going to say, like, 5'3. Yeah. We are... Yoko and I are pretty tall. Yoko We're and tall. I are the same height. Yeah, that's okay. I've like, and I'm going through like my Rolodex of dudes. Most of us have been the same height. Like, so height, Asian dudes, anyone who's listening, not an issue for me. Like, it's honestly not. Unless it's maybe like a foot shorter. Like, that's a little bit much. Well, but who knows? Who knows? Maybe but, I don't know. But you maybe you know you still have a chance. You still have a chance. Don't let that stop you. Yeah. But yeah, honestly, that's so interesting that you feel like you would have a higher chance of being seen as attractive by Asian women. Asian I don't women. know where that comes from, but it's like it's it's been an assumption in my head since very very young, hmm. and it honestly wow. has not been like changed. Okay. I don't know. It's just there. Wow. Do you think there's any truth to that? Have I been living in an odd paradigm? Should I have if I had shifted this? Well, I feel like you... doesn't matter because I'm with someone great. Yes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Don't you ever forget bring, that. Bring it back home. <laughs> I, I think... Nice save. Nice save. I do think that to some extent, like, you just grew up in a society that did not highlight Asian men as, like... as Sex symbols. As sex symbols or... You know, like, media doesn't portray Asian men as, like, attractive, yeah. unfortunately. Especially when we were growing up. Even now, like, we're changing the that. closest we're getting is, like, Han from Fast and the Furious. No, we're getting, we're no, getting there's, there. There's a couple. I think there's, like, some show called Glee where there's a hot Asian dude. Oh, he's <laughs> yeah. not that cute. You can watch Goku Flex. Oh, my God. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know. <laughs> God. Those guys are huge. The, ki- the Kinjas are repping. I love seeing Asian guys in hip-hop dance videos just yep. crushing it. Because I'm yeah. like, late, this is my math. It's like, ladies think dancing is attractive. Mm-hmm. Guys that can dance. And so if these Asian guys dance really well, 
more ladies are going to find Asian guys attractive net. Yeah, net. Yeah. Sorry, and all you non-dancers are just going to get left in the dust. Word, left in the dizzy. So, shall we transition to Uwudiyuraza? Oh, God. My favorite segment in the universe. I don't think I've asked you this one. And I've asked yeah. you guys most of the good ones. Kate is really good slash bad at <laughs> would you rather just making them up because they're always so gross. That's like, the whole point is you can't give someone something that's clearly better than something else. No, like, you have to make them both terrible. Why can't they both be like great things? Okay, well, would you rather one. have tons of money or tons of time? That's so terrible. <laughs> this is why Kate's good That's not that bad. But that's... Do you want to do that one first? <laughs> sure. Time. Time. Time, I think. Wow. Yeah, just because... Spoken like true New Yorkers. <laughs> true. I always, always feel rushed, you know? I feel like nothing ever gets my full attention. Then that's again, time. sometimes that like busyness actually is, is good. It is good. What if you yeah. never felt that? If you, I never felt busy? Yeah, you just, just feel felt like, complacent? A, like a slug. I don't think no, I like dude. that either. Complacent. Like, I, like I was a listening... slug. <laughs> I was listening to a, a comedian talk about this, and it's like, I don't feel very smart sitting next to someone who went to UCLA and someone who went to Berkeley, but I'm smart enough to be unhappy about my current situation and to, like, want more and to be better. Mm. So that feeling of dissatisfaction breeds... Like, the need to, like, want to do more stuff. It's you like, shouldn't feel unsmart next to us. You're smart, Maybe Kate. not unsmart, but, like, less smart. You're gonna think I'm not as smart once I ask you this would you rather. Okay. Okay, let's see how this goes. Okay, okay. okay. Let's, <laughs> let's move on. Are you ready? I'm ready. I would you know. rather yeah. pee out your mouth? Yeah. Oh, God. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Give it to me. Or poop out your eyes. <laughs> pee out my mouth. Easy. I hate you. Definitely pee out my mouth. Why? Explain. Uh, one, so you don't have to pee that often. <laughs> That's true. Right? So, see, just a couple times a day, I basically have to go to the bathroom and, but if I had to poop out my eyes, it's <laughs> <laughs> just going to be like so much more res. Can you imagine in the eyelashes? Oh like the other oh. one, I can just, you know, brush my teeth. Then again, your breath might smell because there's residual. Pee in there. Still, you're like, gonna always have to carry around Listerine. I don't want to poop out my eyes. <laughs> yeah. I just know that. I definitely know that. Pink eye. I definitely conjunctivitis. Like, I am also going to go in the pee out my mouth group. <laughs> I just don't want poop near my face, yeah. like at all. For some reason, like quote of the day, pee <laughs> is less bad. Yeah, it is. It absolutely is less bad. It's less bad. Yeah, I think it's maybe it's just bad. it's it's less about like the eyes and the mouth. Yeah. And although like now what, you can't taste the poop if it's coming out. So of what eyes. if it was like what would you rather poop out your mouth or poop out your eyes? Oh god! <laughs> like, straight up. So it's about the eyes mouth combo. Oh. Fuck. <laughs> you know, I think I would go with poop out my mouth because I don't know. I feel like you can like finagle it. Could you imagine how much, if the same volume has to come out of your eyes, that's like, it's like everywhere and it takes a while. Oh my god. Why did we think this was a good idea? (laughs) It's like squeezing pate out of the thing. (laughs) Sorry. Wait, would it just be, would it be coming like full force? Like out of like the entire. I thought it'd be like, Like, there'd be build up and it'd just be like. (laughs) 
<laughs> Yoko's face is just like, I am I discontinuing this. the Would You Rather segment. <laughs> God, God, that's so bad. Great. Yeah. Nice. Wow. That was a good one. Wow, well, I might throw up. All right. It might be pee. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's next? Um, are we di- are we done? Nah, dude, we Good. haven't asked you like, how Asian are you questions. Oh, great. And then we'll be done. Gifs. We have one more segment before our outro, and it's called... How Asian are you? That was good. I was hoping we were going to do that. Yeah, me too. How Asian are you? Okay. Okay, would you like to go first? Sure. Um, Do you haggle? Are you good at it? Mm. Not good at it. Do your parents haggle? Yes. Are they good at it? Uh, my dad is better than my mom. Though it was understood that, like, when we go to Vietnam, you have to haggle. Oh. There was a very important experience where... <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, the quiver. The quiver can sell everything. Um, in Vietnam, some of the street vendors would make, like, uh, like airplanes and other models out of um, soda cans. Yeah. You've seen this? Is yeah, this not... seen yeah, 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 exactly. So you, there might be, like, a fighter jet made out of a Coke can thought they were the coolest things as a kid. And I remember going there and being like, I want this. I really want this, Mom. My parents were like, all right. And then they started like haggling. And then they did the classic move, let's walk away. And so they'll be willing to give us a better price. Yeah. Truthfully, we're haggling for like the difference of like a dollar or mm. something. But it's just, you know, you have to... You principle. have to... Principle. and you have to operate within the local economy. You can't just like mess things up and mm-hmm. pay, you know... 600% over market value uh, and I just started crying because I thought we were really leaving and I wasn't going to get the <laughs> airplane and then the vendor saw me and was like time to strike and be like he's crying like what and so then they had to pay whatever that they like had originally talked about God damn and it, I just goodness. really messed it up that time wow that's mm-hmm. such a good Buffed story it up. <laughs> really oh my god yeah. that's hilarious no I'm Haggling is not a part of... It's not in my... My blood at all. Yeah. Same. I don't think haggling is common in Japanese culture. It's really not. I mean, like, the one and only time I ever haggled was... I was at a flea market, and even then, I felt, like, guilty about it. I was just like, no, in Japan, the price is the price. And that's it. Oh, you were at a Japanese flea market? I was at a Japanese flea market, yeah. Whoa. I was studying abroad, Mm. and I was like... I felt really awkward about it, but I saw a friend of mine do it. Granted, his Japanese was ten times better than mine, mm. but I was like, okay, I'm going to see how low I can get this purse. And I feel like people who are good at haggling will take the price and they'll cut it in half, and the, yeah. and they don't think that the other person's going to be offended. Yeah. I, on the other hand, am always worried about offending people and, <laughs> you know, knocked it off by like... I wonder if there's a correlation years. between like people who are good at haggling and people who are good at like, picking up others of the opposite sex. Because I think there's a similar like boldness that is required required yeah i remember being in thailand uh and i was like i'm gonna haggle in this thailand market and then the lady was like it costs this much and i was like no i don't want to pay that and she was <laughs> like okay and then i stood there for a while and i was like actually, i actually really want to buy this thing so then i just gave her the money oh Kevin. man Kevin. <laughs> not very good at it <laughs> that answered my question but i have i have aunts and uncles who are like Apparently supreme. I remember a story. And 
I've heard that like one tactic is you just waste the person's time yep. immensely. So if you want to go buy a car, you like go and then you like you know the car you want. You ask to test drive like every other car and you ask tons of questions, mm-hmm. tons of questions. And by the time this salesperson is like, if I don't make this sale, I've just wasted eight yep. hours. Yep. So I guess you have to have eight hours to spare. But then you like strike and you're like, I want it for half price or something like that. Damn. And I heard a story about an aunt doing that with like a diamond ring and what? just like went into Damn. the jewelers and just was there forever, forever, forever. And then, you know, came back with that while I was like, okay, here's the money. <laughs> <Dang>. <laughs> yeah. Can't haggle for my life. Ugh. I also feel guilty. Yeah. Why well, can't people just charge what they owe? Well, or uh, what they, whatever. Well, because people need to make money. <laughs> what they owe. What they owe. <laughs> you know how it works. Yeah, it's money. <laughs> well, I watched um, this documentary called Iris, and it's about Iris Apfel, who's this, like, iconic, like, older woman. Um, she's, like, a, a fashion icon, and she's known for wearing these very eclectic outfits. And in her prime, she was, um, like, a furniture, a vintage furniture reupholsterer, and she's, like, worked for the White House and all these, like, hoity-toity clients and she has flown all over the world in search of like perfect textiles and perfect materials and haggling is just part of the game and some people think like oh haggling people is insulting because it's like oh i'm offending them for you know cutting down the price but really what you're doing is you're offending them because the first thing that they think of when you just pay what they asked is i could have charged more Mm. Mm -hmm. so whoa haggle interesting i never thought of it that way one haggling tip is or at least one negotiation tip um i learned is if you're not naturally very good at negotiating like imagine yourself uh put yourself in a situation where you're negotiating on behalf of someone else Mm -hmm. so like i would negotiate these agreements for my past company Mm -hmm. and to get myself more in the mindset it wouldn't be like you know what kevin needs to do this for the sake of kevin's negotiation pride it would be like if we don't get the if we don't get enough money for this or if we don't sell this deal at a certain level like how am i going to go back to my company and like pay the salaries we need to pay like i need to do this on behalf of the family the company or whatever and for a more empathetic person like that is enough to get you out there it's like i can deal with mistakes i make for myself but as far as like going back and like reporting to my team my family my whatever that i wasn't able to get this done Mm -hmm. that will motivate me enough. yeah for a person who says that he's not very good at haggling you are very good at negotiating yeah Am I? you're yes. a super good negotiator thank you like kevin spacey like kevin what? spacey in the negotiator, in the negotiator. Oh, movie reference Super-y. movie reference it's okay i don't watch movies sam j he's innocent he's, he was set up it's a plot twist <laughs> Is that a spoiler? He gets shot at the end, but he doesn't yeah. die. Wow. Spoiler. 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 If ever you don't feel like watching a whole movie, but you kind of want to know what happens, you should just ask Kevin for a, like, 20 to 30 minute plot summary he'll just tell it to you i should start doing like twitter plot summaries for you people should. it's really good because like i, need I don't spend two and a half hours watching a movie 
Especially because it's all the action movies that I've never seen. Oh, like The yeah. Rock. Love it. Your you favorite. haven't seen The Rock? No, I've never seen Pop it. Pop Green Smoke. <sighs> I've seen The Rock. Well, that was because That's because it's Kevin's favorite movie. It's You'll true. miss San Francisco when you watch it. Yeah, oh, it is man. very yeah. San Francisco it's about heavy. Alcatraz? Yep. It's about Alcatraz and Essa. Oh, fun Kate stories. Never Carla did. was the prom queen. I don't get that <laughs> reference because I haven't seen the movie. I'll, I'll take pleasure in gutting you, boy. All right. <laughs> really get it. Really get it. Really get it. Yoko. Um, I mean, I know the answer to this question, but for our listeners, how severe is your Asian glow? Uh, I don't have any. I know. So <laughs> jealous. Yoko, so, so wait, what is it? Right glow now. comes from like not being able to process. You don't have an enzyme you to don't... process alcohol. Oh, got it. And well, your body just kind of turns red. Kev does. I was really proud. proud. I was really glad the first time I drank. To find out that I was not number one a like one shot wonder, I yep. was like I can drink some, and two that uh, I did not glow. Not to say those either; of those are the end of the world. But I was like, social situations, I'm gonna be cool. Yo, no one in my family glows, and I legit did not know that that was a thing until college. That's so crazy. No one in my family. Mm. My dad doesn't glow, but my mom gets lit. Up. Lit. Yo, my mom's lit. Come through. Like a t- come through, it's lit. Like a tomato. How oh. after how how much alcohol? After like two sips of wine. And it, both of us. And it's not like it's not gl- a- glow. Isn't just like you look a certain way. You also feel it, right? Don't you feel hot? You feel, feel hot. hot. Does my your heart, heart beat fast? My I feel hot. My heart beats fast. Um, my body gets splotchy. Hmm. Do you get itchy at all? Are you yeah, allergic? What's, what's the worst no. part? The worst part is the palpitations. Yeah. Do you feel drunk? Like no, no. Okay. No, nah, Yoko's a tank. No, I mean it's but it's just sort of like <laughs> as someone who's never experienced I that biological yeah. sensation before. It's like what I get instead of the glow is the glaze, which oh is my God, when Kate. my eyes fucking glaze over like a goddamn donut after two drinks, and I'm really yeah, it's bad. I don't notice it too much. It just happens, like, a little bit. That That's a good point, because sometimes when you see, like, an Asian person who's glowing, you might assume that they are drunk. Yeah. But that's not necessarily the case. It is just, like, this reaction is happening. They could be only, you know, a sip or a drink in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And feeling fine, apart from palpitations and splotching and Yeah. Pro hotness. tip. Pepsi AC yep. helps with the redness, also with the palpitations. Does it really? Work? Yeah. You have to take it beforehand. Um, I think you can take it after, not like after you. You can take it after you've started drinking, but you'll still it'll maybe go away faster, wow. but it, you'll still turn red. There's a free startup idea that would be like to rebrand Pepsi AC as like essentially Glow Prevento. Glow Prevento, trademark, Kevin Wynn. <laughs> I'm surprised it doesn't exist already. Maybe it's it because... It probably does. Yeah, maybe I it's mean... because we don't live in Asia. Or maybe because in Asia... Because when I live in Japan, it's like nobody, nobody was embarrassed. Nobody yeah. was weirded out by it. But just because it doesn't happen. How embarrassing is it? It feels embarrassing. It feels embarrassing. Because people will be like... People will think that I'm really drunk when I'm not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if I did get really drunk after two sips, if I got as drunk as I looked, 
I would not take Pepsi AC because yeah. then it like why it doesn't even why I'm gonna throw up in like two minutes like yeah but I don't like looking less put together than I feel oh my god yeah. me too that's why you only drink in the dark <laughs> <laughs> we're Problem. actually recording Problem this podcast solved. in the dark in the dark Problem. no one can see <coughs> actually it might be dark but it's glowing because I've been drinking yeah Problem solved. I've been drinking I'm a beacon of light. Anyway, all right. This is a lot of fun. You had a good time? I had a great time. Yay! Yay! Yay. Where can people find you on the internet? Oh, you can find me um, on Twitter at at Kevin Huynh, K-E-V-I-N-H-U-Y-N-H. If you ever were curious on how to pronounce that last name, H-U-Y-N-H, it is not the same as Nguyen, which is N G U Y E N. It's actually pronounced like H W I N. Win with a H. Win. So your Twitter handle is Kevin Win. Cool. <laughs> Y'all go uh, work. Thanks for listening. That, oh, my website is kiwimonk.com. Nice. K I W I M O N K. Kevin has amazing blog posts on uh, how to pack for a world trip. He also has a bunch of videos that he just makes for fun that caveat. Not caveat, but disclaimer, I am in many of them. Yes. Not disclaimer, extra feature. Extra feature. <laughs> extra incentive to Co-star. go watch them. Mm-hmm. Yoko is often the star. Yes. I'm a star. Of my yes. creations. And if you're ever wondering who that dude is standing in front of all those really pretty walls in Yoko's Instagram. Oh yeah, that's Kevin. That's Kevin. Yep. Anyway, uh, good transition. If you want to find me, Yoko, on the internet, you can find me... At P-S-Y-O-K-O. Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Creative Mornings, not LinkedIn, Facebook, at P-S-Y-O-K-O. Kate, where can we find you on the internet? You can find me on the internet at most things at C-M-Y-K-A-Y-T-O-E at C-M-Y-K-A-T-O. That's Twitter, Instagram, Dribble. Tinder. Tinder? No. Not Tinder. Oh, God. OkCupid. I recently... No, my OkCupid one is Mad Anonymous. Whoa. It is. It's actually at Mad Anonymous. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to find me on OkCupid, which I, full disclosure, no longer check, it is K underscore 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 underscore. Whoa. Wow. Because I didn't want anyone to know who I was. Back in the day when I had an OkCupid account, my OkCupid account name was PSYOK. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't give a shit, clearly. Because that didn't work out. This worked out, though. Anyway, I'm sorry. If you if you want to follow the podcast, Kate, you want to you wanna hit us up with some it's sequences of letters? <laughs> sequences of letters. It is at... S-W-A-Y-F podcast. Yep. Swipe. 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 So where are you from podcast? And that is on Twitter and Instagram. And we swear we'll have a website one day. One day. Dope. And we swear we'll tweet or post Instagrams one day. Yes. Hopefully by the time this podcast airs, we'll have had one tweet and one gram. At least. At least one. We'll see. Goals. Goals. Pod goals. Pod goals. (laughs) Pod goals. Pod of goals. All right. Is this where we say parting words? Yeah. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for joining us. (laughs) (laughs) That's...
That's not what you are Okay. Thanks for being our first guest on the podcast. Yeah, thank I'm you for so glad. Me. Yeah, we're so psyched to have you. Learned a lot. Learned yeah. a lot. All right, and for you all listeners, bye. Peace. Peace. <laughs> Be well. <laughs>